it would it wouldn't be a normal episode or an episode of do talk if, if we didn't have some comment to make during the opening even with or without andy that's right. natural all right welcome mountaineer kingdom do talk got that right for the second straight week that's exciting uh we're doing another special episode about dealing with loss dealing with um, families dads that sort of thing we have go ahead nick do, do our introductions for us today oh okay uh, today, of course, we have our normal. We have our host Josh with us today. I'm Nick. This is the Yes Man, Jared. But joining us again this week is uh, Mr. Matt is with us. And then for the first time ever on the the podcast, last is time ever, <laughs> our uh, our buddy Eric. Uh, it's great to have him. He's had a couple shout outs here on our uh, podcast. First email. First yes, email. very has. first email. Three and first how names. dare you? How dare you? Okay, I need to clarify though. The scene wasn't from. <laughs> the scene you mentioned okay it was it was kelly saying yeah i have a question how dare you so, so when you when you said you were going to be sad if you didn't get any questions i was really looking out for you because i didn't want you to be sad the next episode so i watched it and i just happened to catch it like 10 minutes after you put it up so i was like i'm going to email him but see my brain went straight to the bill butlicker <laughs> it's still a quality scene and oh. in fairness it's a pretty common line that i think's mentioned a couple how of times so this. My family built this country. I'm just proud that you still you got that it was an office reference and <laughs> it's good. I'm Should have seen the chat, the chat that was going around in the uh, the little internal dude talk uh, chat text message group thing. You'll get it right. Keep yep. <laughs> Work it out. <laughs> of just talking about the uh, the how dare you email and the screenshot was sent around and and there was there was a lot of conversation about it so. Yeah. First email, maybe the first list or uh, view within 10 minutes, other than the 30 that we did each. Have, yeah. have you gotten serious email since then? Or Yes. Is, yes. Okay. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Good. We nice. even had a question uh, posed from a unbiased viewer that led to an hour and 10-minute conversation last uh, last week. Yeah. Uh, I was I was kind of shocked on how, how long we – well, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked how much engagement I had. Not quite so shocked on how much engagement Andy had, but even now, dude, you've engaged a lot. I know, right? Like we're <laughs> we're two minutes and fifty eight seconds into yeah. it. Listen, you you can all of a sudden become chatty because when Josh first asked me to come on, I was like, man, I'm worried I'm going to go on there, and like I'm just going to have nothing to say and I'm just going to be a bump on the log. And then I watched the first couple episodes. I was like, oh, well, I can say more than yes. <laughs> like I'll, I'll be all yes, right. yes. Oh, so don't inspired. don't start all of a sudden getting chatty now and then making me look bad. <laughs> Where do you go from there? Keep going. No, uh, <laughs> so last week, just to refresh, um, you three gentlemen have lost your fathers um, here within the last year, uh, maybe a little bit over that. And we're just chatting about how we cope with some of this stuff, how we, uh, the good, right, wrong, indifference, and just the process, right? Um, we all know being angry is not a sin. How you act in that anger can be. Griefs, I mean, all of that's the same way. Um, and then we want to talk about what the timing, the purpose, what's our takeaways, um, how do you move forward? So if you guys don't mind recapping a little bit, just so we can jump back on it. Yes, man. Jared. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, my, I lost my dad. Uh, it'll be a year here in a couple of weeks. Um, and actually this week is, it's really been a hard week because that's when I brought when I took him into the hospital. Um, my birthday was this week and big four zero. Uh, that's right. No, um, but uh, yes. 
um, it, it was a, it was a tough week just because uh, the day after my birthday was when I took him to the hospital mm-hmm. and never came back home, and uh, and there was a lot of where I beat myself up over a lot of that. Maybe we get that get into that a little bit later, but um, just dealing with the year with without him and having to trust that the some years that I was alive and he was with me um, that we were able to, he, he, he was able to instill um, a lot of knowledge into me to, that's going to propel me through the rest of my life and get my kids that same that same type of, of inspiration and education and, and yeah. leadership yeah and I think uh, one of the things I was talking about was the uniqueness of um, moving away from home and mm-hmm. only having what that eighteen to twenty years with my with my dad, and then moving up here, meeting my wife, and then going over to her house a lot, where her dad was. I was talking to him on a daily basis and getting picking up his mannerisms and and uh, the way he thought, and so uh, I, we we touched on that because that's kind of unique to me as I was thinking about it and prepping before the show last time. I thought that was kind of unique of I've never thought about it in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned in this week, you know, the birthday and all that kind of stuff. It was and I didn't touch on this last time, but my dad called me. I think it was um, two days. He, he called me on my birthday and then it was a two or three days later is when he died. Wow. And so uh, what was odd about it, though, is my mom would always call me and you know, wish me a happy birthday and say, hey, you know, your dad's here. He wants to say a few words to you. Well, he initiated the call. Wow. Yeah. So we were just chit-chatting and talking. And, I mean, you just never know that that's going to be your last conversation with him. And I think it was about five minutes because it was, it was in the morning, you know, as I was trying to get ready for, you know, work, reading through some emails and stuff. And it was a good conversation. Um but you saying that about your birthday just just I have these flashbacks of moments of where I'm like I'm so glad he called and I'm so glad that he initiated the call mm-hmm. you know because that's it was different yeah yeah I'd always run it even now and I, I try to, to do a better job of it because um, I still have my dad and he, he's busy he still works a ton he's a paramedic and he's always always he's sleeping or working uh-huh. and I personally feel it's time to slow down a little bit. Like, the older you get, you can't keep putting in 100 hours a weekend. Right. But what are you going to do when you retire, when you're already used to that? Uh-huh. So I kind of try to balance the field. And it's my mindset used to be, because I moved away. I was right at three and a half hours away from, from my home. Once I moved up, I really didn't look back very often. Just because I was always, I just, I don't know, for whatever reason. And the Lord brought it on to me. Um about a month and a half ago, I think we talked about it down below the ranger room there on the steps. Uh, learning to forgive yourself, right? We yeah. can forgive each other and we can forgive other people, but forgiving yourself. And once that started, like, oh man, I can forgive myself because there is no condemnation in Christ. Um, I told my dad, like, look, I purposely stayed away for a while because my parents were splitting up. It was different for me. And it was ne- every time I'd go to visit, it was never home again. And so I purposely put a wedge in. Um, and once I opened that door of forgiveness for myself, 
it's like, okay, take the wedge out. Now you have to make an effort, an active effort to help restore that. Mm. And I told my dad that, and I, you know, I'm going to start crying on him. And he, he's like, it's so funny. He's like, wait, oh, sorry. Uh, I want to pay attention. So I say that again. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry for everything I've done. I want to start <laughs> seeing you more. But I always have this mentality, if you didn't call me and I call you, then phones work, work both ways. Right. And that's not the way to do it. So I could see, like, when he initiates a call, when that's not a typical thing to do, yeah. that would mean a lot. Yeah, it definitely stood out for sure. Yeah. Um, and then any every everything's different. Uh, do you want to share some, some of your stuff? Yeah, so my dad just passed away March 13th of this year, so it's still recent, a couple of months ago. Um, but he, he was only 64. He had uh, dementia for a while. Um, I, I think he had it for a while and we didn't recognize it um and then it just progressed very quickly so um a few years ago he we got him into like an assisted living facility where he was still able to leave but then he would leave a lot of times and then get lost and they had to go out and find him because he would like to walk so he would just go out and walk and get lost and then we had him in a nursing home fully you know full nursing home there the past couple years um and he just he quickly i think he got covid once and then he stopped walking so then he was wheelchair ridden and then i haven't heard him talk in years because uh, he, he wasn't he wasn't speaking even the last time i we hung out with him uh when he was still in the assisted living place it was right after i had gotten that uh it was maybe shortly after i had gotten that challenger and my dad was like yours he loved racing he loved cars everything like uh, there may have never been an avenue for them to meet, but I feel like our dads would have been good friends if they had a chance to meet. Yeah, you were talking about that uh, uh, they, they probably would have been, like, really close friends because they yeah. both were Big Earnhardt fans. Big Earnhardt fan. He he used to tell me a story all the time. He grew up in Ohio and, you know, middle of nowhere, Ohio, and uh, he went to some farmer's yard, and they had a junk car sitting out in the field, and the farmer told him that if he could fix it up, and his buddies could go race it, so they fixed it up, and they took it out to, uh, I think it was Cannonball Speedway mm-hmm. in St. Clairsville, Ohio, and he used to race, like, the little street stocks out there and stuff, and so we loved going to races and stuff like that, but yeah. Yeah, so our, I, our, our dads both like the wrong kind of racing. Yeah. <laughs> Did he have a need for speed like Paul? Well, yeah, I mean, he. I think he probably thought he was a better driver than he probably actually was but <laughs> we all every do, time <laughs> there's a curvy road you know and it didn't matter if he was driving we growing up we had one of those 90s conversion vans you know i mean we yeah. were on a curvy road he was probably imagining himself as a <laughs> race car driver but when i got that challenger i knew he would like it and he he wasn't speaking a lot even then so i drove it up here from virginia where we were living at the time just to take him for a ride in it sometime and um that was the last time I saw him outside of the nursing home. And then he was in this small place and it was very depressing going there. And it was, it was tough the last couple of years seeing him in there. Cause I hadn't seen him in a bit. We still lived in Virginia. So it, it was tough getting up here a lot. And, um, yeah, going up there and seeing him, my dad was a very simple man. Like he, he worked at uh, aluminum or met in uh, Ohio, my whole childhood. And, uh, every day took the same exact thing, to for lunch to work you know it was like a, it was a cheeseburger uh pop tarts strawberry pop tarts cottage cheese and a pepsi you know like every, every day. day of his life yeah I don't know he if I could do did that. not like mexican did not like fish and showing up to this nursing home and like he's eating all this pureed stuff you know and it's like they're feeding him fish and i'm like my dad doesn't like fish yeah. I'm like oh well he eats it i'm like yeah, because he can't tell you right no, you know? I it. it's like 
so yeah, yeah I mean it was it was tough there um, we kind of knew he was he was declining we thought we had a little bit more time and then he ended up passing March 13th this year so yeah it's still recent well thanks for coming on and especially being so recent and still want to talk or help, help, helping us talk about it to encourage other guys um, you were you said something earlier that you uh, jump into it if you want to or we, we, could, we could move on but you said you kept beating yourself up you want to share a little bit of that with us or yeah I mean uh, I last the, the last time that my dad and I really spent some time like proper time together was going to Easter mm-hmm. and uh, we always rode to church together because you know sunrise service and those of us that work in the tech we have to be there yet earlier than everyone else does and uh, so it would keep like my wife and the kids from having to leave the house so early to, to get down there so he and I would ride together and like we, we, we always bickered back and forth about cars and stuff like that but one of the last like real meaningful conversations we had was he, he was talking about his charger his, yeah, his charger you had a challenger I got a charger <laughs> and the giggles yeah he uh, um, he was saying yeah I think this this, this car's got a DSG in it and I said no it doesn't have a DSG flip the paddle and watch how slow it, it downshifts mm-hmm. and so we argued for probably about 20 minutes while we were at Hardy's whether or not the car had a dual clutch transmission in it or not and um, and then on my birthday he went to Walmart and got um, an ice cream cake for me by the time I got home and I had no idea until he sat in the hospital that he almost didn't make it out, out of Walmart. His, the pain was so bad. Wow. And, uh, he still didn't know that it was a heart, that he was having a heart attack. He thought it was, uh, he had fluid built up around his, around his heart. And there's, there's a medical term for it that the doctor has told me and, and he's told me, um, that we just assumed is what it was because it was a similar pain. Yeah. I and mean, he'd had it before. I'd take him to the hospital, and and they're like, "Oh no, your your heart's perfect. It's fine." And uh, and then we take him in, and they they run the blood work, and he's had a heart. It was actively heart attack. And they said it's actually like by the time we had him up at UMPMC, um, they said he his his heart had he'd been having a heart attack for at least a year and a half. No one knew it, but where I beat myself up was uh, the night that I took him took him up. It was about one o'clock in the morning. He was doing fine. Um, we honestly thought that they would get him in, get him some medicine, and then get him home, and then maybe do an open heart surgery, schedule it later. Got him into a room, and he said, "Jared, this is it's one o'clock in the morning. Go home. Come back in the morning, and well, I'll see you in the morning." I said, you sure? He goes, yeah. So I jumped in the car, drove home. And about three hours later, I get a phone call from the hospital that um, he had gotten worse. They didn't tell me how how much worse until I got into the hospital the next morning and saw him on a ventilator and full life supports. Mm -hmm. So, like, I beat myself up for leaving because maybe if I'd have been there, it was night he wasn't in an ICU. Mm-hmm. He was just in a regular hospital room. And uh, how quickly did they respond when when they saw him kind of crashing? They probably were really quick and 
and there wasn't wouldn't have been anything I could have done about but it. But not being there, not but not knowing. being there, and being there when his kind of really one of his last moments of before it went really south. Because you were talking to him mm-hmm. right before that. Was that the was that the last time you spoke to him? No, uh, when, when we took him out to Pittsburgh, <laughs> um, told him he got he finally got a chance to ride in a helicopter, and boy, he flipped out for letting him flipped out on us for letting him go up. I don't have the money for that. I, don't I said, don't worry about the money. We'll take it. We'll fix it. We'll figure out a way to take care of it. Um, but when he was up in Pittsburgh, he was off the respirator and he was talking and it looked like they were going to send him home. You know what, what what's interesting um, is when they did the, the, the catheterization on him, they said that, they, that his arteries were so had been blocked for so long that they actually started finding new routes around it. And they were, they were doing a bypass on their own. Wow. And just ran out of time. And, um, uh, but yeah, during the whole process, I've struggled with it. I've struggled beating myself up. Did I do something wrong? Um, should I have stayed? It, when, when he was doing better, instead of staying at the hospital, I would then take that opportunity to, to go to work. And, and try to get into work a little bit and uh, so I didn't use up all of my all of my time and get too far behind yeah and uh, uh, and those were the days that he was he was good and I wasn't there mm. yeah it's just so it's just tough to even this tear and you process it because I again I know I have still have my dad but I remember when my papa I'm from the south when my papa passed away um I'd be in and out. I couldn't stay in the room long. I just, I don't, I've never been around it a ton because my, I'm the young, one of the younger ones in the family. Like my aunts, uncles, grandparents, they're a lot, they were a lot older. Um, my grandpa, when he died, he was 85. And I remember my dad was there almost the whole time, but he's medical. So he, he kind of knows the cues they're laying down and he's picking up on it and he's comforting us while he's still trying to be there with his dad. And I'll never forget, I was trying to go get an update for the family in the, uh, the lobby because I'm like, okay, this is my role. I'll just relay the information. I don't want to, I don't want to be in there. That's, I just, I don't handle that well. I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not used to it. Still not, still haven't been to a ton of, of funerals because a lot of those people went before I could really understand what was going on. And uh, he was crashing. This was about to be the end. And they're trying to resuscitate him. And I'll never forget, it was like this moment of peace came over from my dad. He he thanked the nurses. He's like, you know what? That's it. He's done. Hmm. He's he's done his thing. And here I'm like, okay, I'm out. I never pivoted out of a room so fast to go sit in silence. And I'm like, man, just the the strength my dad had to do just to let my da- his dad go. Mm-hmm. And then I remember being at, uh, this is my, my papa, man. He was such a character. Uh, my grandma had died uh, a few years before him and he had a surgery that he shouldn't have had he too old to fight it and somehow his uh, an arm got paralyzed and never see this man wear a suit in my life and here he is standing beside my, my grandma's casket comforting other people and i'll never forget that image of here he's lost you know a 55 year old bride or 50 years of, of, of his bride and I go up to say goodbye, and he's comforting me, mm-hmm. and that strength that he had. And I always I look back on those good memories, and I'm like, man, if I could just be as strong as him, or have the courage that he had, and worry about others first. Always looking out for other people before you before you look to yourself. 
happens. Yeah, I mean, um, the the day that my dad actually died, um, so we had the doctors had talked to us about kind of winding down life supports, and you know, Nick was Nick was up there the last day, and he was he was in the in the hospital room when I was fighting with the doctor, saying, "No, there's still got to be we, we're we're missing something. Let's look at it all again." And uh, when when they finally showed me the blood the latest blood work that they ran the night before it was like and he had been he'd been unconscious for probably about two days at that point and so we called to got the, the family up and uh started talking about when we were going to switch him to comfort and once we did um went back into the into the room to kind of say our, our goodbyes and everything he uh he decided to wake up just as I was kind of telling him bye and that he was gearing to die. And, um, that basically it was, it was between him and God at that point. So his medical science was done and uh, it was a whole lot easier to say that to him while he was asleep and unconscious. Yeah. The moment he woke up and was looking at me, man, I, I, I couldn't finish it. My uncle had to finish telling him. And, uh, and I felt that as being his son, it was my duty to do that. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's one thing that still bothers me that I couldn't finish. Was I mean, he it, able to, in in that moment when he woke up, was he able to talk to you at all or were you just kind of? He had to vent to Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he was able to move his lips some and shake his head. And um, we when, when my uncle was like, Hey, hey, Paul, um, unless God heals you between now and when Jesus comes to take you home, you're going to be spending the evening with Jesus. He said, do you understand? He goes, and uh, that was just so hard. Yeah. Wow. And the celebration where he's at now, though. I know that's never oh, comforting, yeah. but. No, it, it is comforting. Or, you know what I mean? I didn't mean like, to say that to it, it is it is very comforting because um my mom died when I was nine, so this year marks um thirty one years mm-hmm. it was thirty years um last year so it was thirty thirty one years this year um their wedding anniversary was the day that I actually took him into the hospital and uh uh so like he she one of these days uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of dig in a little bit of my mom sure um but the last probably 15 years of her life was difficult and uh so dad is getting the opportunity to spend time with the woman he originally fell in love with yeah not who he for lack of a better word i don't mean to sound callous but spent the last 15 15 years of her life with because it was it was too different women from my understanding yeah and um you were such a young jay young age so how would oh yeah and uh uh and then he's he's with his his parents and his uh his in-laws who he absolutely loved his father-in-law um and uh and then his best buddy dan i mean oh dan old dan oh, dan. dan he was the you he was the me before me before you yep, yep. Can I interject some humor now? 
Somebody's got to. <laughs> I'm just proud of you for waiting until after the conversation. <clears throat> I, I, I know where you're going with this, and this, you this, know he's never been hysterical. told we're proud so, of him on air yet. So thank you. There you go. That's another I, first. I, I may I may have to help supplement the story a little <laughs> bit. Do you want me to kick it off, or do you want to tell it? Oh no. Well, I'll I'll preface it <clears throat> before I tell the story because me and Paul were 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 pretty close. Um, uh, Jared's dad, Paul, was like uh, my right hand man when it comes to like the camera stuff at church and and things of that nature and we talked two three times a week we'd go grab lunch like we were we were fairly close and we joked a lot mm. there was a lot of uh, of joking that went on in the headsets while church is going on <laughs> i could only imagine uh, well, that never happens while, while church is going on because it's 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 hard to explain but when you're in the middle of doing that if you're not like having that type of conversation you kind of zone out mm. but if you're actively talking with each other all right we're going here we're going there it, it helps out a lot and um but after paul ha- had passed away we were the the paul bears paul bears this but, is a good but, story <laughs> i remember this one <laughs> and uh we're all chatting at the church and, and the funeral director's are like all right just keep this in mind just keep this in mind just don't drop him just don't drop him and we're like, oh, we're not going to drop him. Ha, 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 ha. And then we get out. Well, let me preface that. So, so, so wait a minute. Like, we're at <laughs> I'm the, skipping a good yeah, part of it, too. You're, you're skipping a, a ton of it. So, we're at the gravesite. And uh, so, my no, cousin. we got to go before that because the car I was driving. We're not professionals. Just. Okay. Yeah. So, but we're, we were at the gravesite and uh, there, there was some funny humor there. So, go on ahead and, and talk about your, your car incident. <laughs> For some reason, I, I can't remember the exact reason, but I was in a rental car at that time. Something was broke or record. I don't remember. But anyways, when I show up to the church, I pull in and they put me like hearse, Jared's car, me. And I'm like, why am I right here? Like all these other, no, you're fine. Get right here. You're going, yeah, you're going there. Uh, okay. So we're halfway there in this car. I didn't know anything about it. I wasn't paying attention. It was a bad day. We just lost Paul. Now we're burying him, blah, blah, blah. You're almost out of gas. You're really almost out of gas. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. You're really almost out of gas. On a road like this. <laughs> so I've texted people. And I'm like, I'm literally about to hold up the entire procession. Because the hill's like this. Yeah. And it's one lane. If I run out of gas right here, everybody behind me, as long as oh. we will get around me. So we finally get there. And I'm like, whoo, I could drift down from here. And then the funeral guy says it again. He's like, whatever you do, don't drop him. No, he doesn't say it yet. So, so where that came from is my cousin is so he's as goofy as we are. Oh yeah, he is. Um, so we're, we're standing at the back of the hearse and my cousin Blaine looks at me. He goes, Hey Jared, what? And like, we're, we're the front two, two people. He goes, don't drop him. Thanks Blaine. Good advice. <laughs> and I uh, thought of that because I mean, we, we've all got this like we're some of the other pole bears who don't know us that well oh, had to think we were had the most insensitive, morons. disrespectful. Like, I know that's what was going through so, their heads. So, so the so the guy from the uh, <laughs> sorry, this is the, the story is kind of derailing the whole the whole podcast, but uh, right, Eric will save it. So, uh, <laughs> make it worse. So, so, so the, the, the funeral director turns around and looks at me. He goes, Did you guys just say don't drop him? And Blaine's like, well, yeah, I thought it'd be good advice. <laughs> and uh, so he opens up the back of the hearse. He lays his hand on on, on the, the head of the casket. And he goes, Paul, Mr. Richards, I don't know you. I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> okay. So, so then, then, then comes so, Nick. So we got we got Paul. I'm like number one, and then number two, number three, number four. They had Paul's buried on a on an awkward hill, like like it's a pretty steep hill it's, where Paul's yeah. buried it. So they had like cribbing to put like those little the, the things that they lower the casket down in, and they had this like awkwardly put cribbing up going into the grave. The second I step up onto that cribbing, there's a piece of wood like this, and my foot hit here, and that piece of wood went whoop. I'm going like that way into the crowd with Paul in my hand. And, and keep in mind, like my mom's buried right next to it, so we're walking over like the cribbing that covers her hole too. So after all this happened, Jared looks at me in his typical Jared fashion. He's like, he almost met my mom. <laughs> <laughs> just dying laughing. So we're a bunch of fools over here. Just about drop Paul. <laughs> and, past, and poor pastor's like trying to perform his gravesite ceremony. And we're losing. And so, it. so here's the luxury about laughing. When you're laughing really hard, it almost looks like crying. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So from everyone else's perspective, I was bawling my eyes out, like just absolutely tore up. What I was really doing, and only this dude and, now and, the my, world. and my wife <laughs> at the time, because she understands the, the difference between, well, my cry when I do cry. And the giggles. And, and when I'm just losing it laughing. And she's there like, Jared, Jared, Jared. Not the time. The, the, whole, the whole time. And so I thought you were going in a different story with I, that, actually, with the one at the hospital. Oh, my. If, I mean, if you want to continue the humor train, I can't. So one, one more, uh, and then then I'll I'll stop talking. Well, um, I'll start it, and then you go into it. Yeah. So at that point, I I was I was up there. I had felt that Paul was near the end, and <clears throat> and I said uh, to some people at work, I said, I don't care what's going on. I have to go see my buddy today. Like, I got I got to work my way up there, and I did, and we spent most of that day together we went and got lunch and we kind of hashed things out like hey how's how's this going to be handled and then i kind of felt like all right this is my my time to exit um get back in my car and i'm driving back and it wasn't that long after i left that, that jared had had called me so uh <laughs> and i can't tell it from <laughs> so we're 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 in the waiting room and miss if the the lady in the story, if you happen to be watching, I'm so sorry that you're finding out this way. But you did it. Um, <laughs> so uh, so we we happen to be in the in the waiting room talking, and um, we're all just Jeez, like getting ready to. Yeah, Andy's not here, but I he's just here. Andy did. Um, so so we're all like discussing like, all right, when are we going to make the switch from from uh, support to comfort? And uh, this, this, so this, this waiting room is probably ten feet wide, maybe twenty feet long. And about halfway down the waiting room is this lady, and it's just the the group of us in there talking about this. And there's a lady all the way down the other end of the waiting room, and serious conversation. And then she just lets one rip. A nurse? <laughs> no, just a, like a lady, another like another rando. lady that that is in there in the waiting room. Oh. And, and mind you, I had. I couldn't have been gone 10, 15 minutes. And his sister knows how we are. It, 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 it wasn't it wasn't quiet. And I, w- I would have been okay, but then she said, sorry. 
and I lost it. Like my, I've got I've got my face and my like, and so everyone there but my wife swears that I am having a nervous like an absolute nervous breakdown. I'm a terrible human being. That's um, true. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I, uh, I, I know I can't hold it any longer. It's coming, and I run out of that that waiting room as quickly as I can. Again, my sister, my uncle, all think that I'm like devastated, absolutely devastated. I'm on the floor out in the hallway. I, I can't breathe. I'm laughing so you hard. You needed that. It, like that oh really. my goodness! And uh, my <laughs> uncle comes out and. He's oh, oh, Jared, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, get further away, get further away. And then we get around the corner and it's like, I'm 12. And that's all I could get. It's all the words I could get out because I'm 12. <laughs> and she, he, it, he, he then goes even further thinking I'm having a nervous breakdown. And I, and the only other word I could get out besides I'm 12 is fart. <laughs> You're 10. <laughs> so I'm 10 minutes out and my phone rings and I'm like, oh man, that was, I just left. There's no way he passed that quickly. I was just in the room with him. Nick's worried about and, turning around and finger parking again. Yeah. <laughs> and this is all I hear is 12 poopy farts. <laughs> oh, wow. And I was like, what is going on? And that's all I could hear is. I finally explained it to him a little bit later. Um, the whole story was what I what I shared here, and uh, then I got it. But at that time, that telephone call was—I you, think he's losing his mind. So you look back and you're like, you know, maybe this isn't. Obviously, it's probably the perfect timing if you think about it. Like, what would your dad thought of this? Oh, he'd hilarious, hilarious, right? He, he, he would have been on the floor laughing. He'd he would he would have been the only other person in the room besides my wife and this dude who would have understood that I was losing it laughing because he would have been losing it laughing. He wouldn't have been as discreet about it as yeah. i would have been when you're older you don't have to be <laughs> well no i mean so we were we were at mcdonald's at, next to kennywood and this guy walks up and goes to dump his tray into the the thing and burps real loud it's pretty big fellow dad turns around and looks at him and says dude did you get anything on you <laughs> he just didn't care <laughs> he didn't care so all right back to uh everyone else yeah. is here no, so that's sorry. it we're gonna wrap it up now <laughs> i just felt like that was a good time we just finished up where we're paul and passed was... but and that's that was the great uh, uh of paul and people like that like your dad paul interjected so much into so many different people's lives in so many different yeah. ways that a lot of people didn't know um jared and his sister knew how paul affected because I could talk to them, but I, I look at it as just imagine people that you didn't know that sh- your dad had relationships like that with right. and things of that nature. So, well, and even the time that you get, what are the impacts that we're making? Yeah. Right. Um, and the impacts that, uh, they, they, they've all had on you guys and their, every dad has on everybody for good or bad. And you, th- you think back that even if you had time or you didn't have as much time, there were still some impacts. There's still some things that mattered that you're going to remember um, and that you will pass down. Um, is there is there anything that kind of sticks out to, to you guys? I'm going to go this way now. Cough box him. Yes. Uh, you've always, you're like, there's just that memory or that moment that's like, oh man, dad taught me this and that you've always, you've passed down or work ethic, anything like that. Go ahead, Eric. He's on the spot. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yes. yes. <laughs> My dad taught me that at a yellow light, you pull into the intersection. 
<laughs> it sat there. <laughs> it was that guy. Okay, he's the guy I lose my temper with. It's like you should just wear. No. No, I I don't. Um, my dad was my dad worked a ton. Um, he he worked at the at the aluminum plant. And then when he was home, he was working on cars or, you know, something like that, um, a lot. Um, but he was always the one that took me to all the band practices. Took me, he suffered through my terrible baseball years. I mean, oh. I was a career right fielder, you know, like the, <laughs> yeah, just had, you're the yeah. kid out there dancing and twirling. Yeah. It took me a while to figure out that wasn't my calling. Um, but the, I, I would say like, I, struggled very early i don't have many friends from say like elementary school because Mm -hmm. when i was young just with everything um i had a very bad temper add and and stuff so i got in a lot of trouble in elementary school and then really bad tempers and uh my dad came around about when i was in third grade ish Mm -hmm. i think and fourth grade is also when you could start getting involved in band playing an instrument and our in elementary school or the band teacher she was very old school very disciplinarian type um she had taught my mom and they had both come into my life at the same time and i think early on i was on ritalin and stuff my mom got me off of that um but him him coming into my life at that point like that was a huge pivotal point for me so it's not necessarily that there's maybe one particular lesson but just Mm -hmm. that I think without his influence and without coming in at that point that, you know, my, my life to this point may have looked very different. Yeah. So. Just even coming in that late, the impact that people, you can have on people. Yeah. I mean, just having that, I think that that's where, um, like even now, I, you know, we've talked about it with Royal Rangers and stuff like that. And in my last church, I got involved in like young life and trying to help out. Like I, I feel like just having that male role model mm-hmm. is so important, especially for, for young men, such a difference, you know, yeah. especially in this crazy off the rails world we're in right now. It just, well, I promised myself we won't go too political, but it's, 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 it's insane. Um, and the importance of that male that male figure. I remember Haley was, she used to, uh, she went to school to be a teacher and she, before she got pregnant, um, she was working in some, I forget the word, like not head starts, but pre-K and all that. And talked about, it's it's basically females, but if there was one dude that was there, it changed the entire dynamic for all the kids. It's like they, they're missing that. And we talked a couple weeks ago about fatherless homes and this all of the stats that affect that. And I mean, how many grandmas are raising kids and kids in foster care or with older older grandparents? And by that time, dads are starting to, you know, they're starting to slow down a little bit. And that there's that impact of, of a good male, especially if, if they're a godly male and they're in, imparting that wisdom and almost thinks about. So I knew I knew about God growing up and then I went away from that for a, for a while. Uh, I've talked about doing the 180 if I could do it i'd do it just out of spite almost and almost to the point that my heart was hardened uh but jesus came into my life right when i needed him the most like he where he never left me i just had to realize that i was the idiot doing all the bad stuff and he was still right there ready for me and we always compare 
talk about our earthly fathers, but man, our spiritual father, he, he's got it. The blessings, the joys, the, the lessons he teaches you. I mean, there's nothing like being convicted by the Holy Spirit to straighten you up. Um, but it is important, some of these male, to have a male presence in your life that you can pick up on. You talked about your stepfather, or not your stepfather, your father-in-law. Father-in-law, and, yeah. yeah. And all that impact. Well, and just what we talked about last week, uh, the likeness. Uh, you know, the definition of a father mm-hmm. is you know, having the likeness of and being made in the image of. And uh, there are some things that uh, I'm proud of that my dad taught me like respect Mm -hmm. honoring my mother and uh, watching my mouth Mm -hmm. you know and uh, but some other things and I've talked to my mom about this is uh, hey did dad have a problem with anger okay and uh, well yeah a little bit and you know like there's these jokes where I don't know if I can get it right or not but on Facebook where uh, you realize um that you handed your dad the wrong tool. And then like after that, (laughs) he was like, well, it wasn't good. Right. And it's like, so when I'm, I'm seeing myself respond in anger or frustration, uh, it takes me back to helping my dad on the car Mm -hmm. and just, you know, trying to help him out. And I'm really not helping him out (laughs) because I'm (laughs) handing him the wrong stuff or whatever. And he's frustrated that this beat-up car that we have is yet again broken down. Mm-hmm. So he's he's fighting that frustration of probably, like, I, I, I like it that we I have a, a reliable vehicle. Mm-hmm. Growing up, it was, it was tough to have a reliable vehicle. And I remember uh, one particular time my dad, we, was, we used to go on trips every once in a while. And, I mean, we just had some really tough cars, beaters. Yeah. We broke down on the interstate, and uh, I never saw my dad cry, ever. My dad never cried. And um, we were on the side of the road, and uh, he was on the passenger side talking to my mom. And I saw him break down for the first time, first and only time, first and only time. How old were you? Do you remember? Wow, man. Uh, I you're not that I don't old. know. Well, I'm 44, but uh, okay, you are. I'm scared. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think. What was that? Uh, between the ages of six and eleven. I mean, it's a wide range. So but that was the only time. That's the only time I've ever seen him cry ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, oftentimes I think about when I'm driving to work, or if you know we go and buy a new car, which we usually hang on to cars quite a long time. But, man, I, I really enjoy taking care of my car. Yeah. Because I'm thankful that I've got a good car. You know what it's like to... Yes. Yeah. So, you know, going to the dealership and getting old change, you better believe it. You know, brakes are squeaking. Man, those things are getting fixed. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, because just car after car of just beaters was just so frustrating. So for him to work as much as he did and then not really have anything to show for it from that standpoint that day when frustration just came out to its peak and he just broke down uh and now your dad was always safe correct he was a christian yeah yeah absolutely yeah his his mom and dad were were believers a family of believers yeah uh so i was growing up in church all the time but uh yeah respect uh watch my mouth uh 
I don't know if he was yes sir, no sir, uh, but I catch myself saying that a lot whenever I'm talking to yes, sir, my no son. Man, yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. That's getting harder to do. Yeah, well, and the thing is, I'm like, that's what I want to pass on to my boy is yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no Mm ma'am. And I don't know if he's going to pick up on it, but uh, whenever he's like, hey, dad, I was like, yes, sir. Yeah. You know, so I want him to build that repetition. Yeah, I want him to hear it and uh, I want him to repeat it. Uh, But oftentimes what I see him repeating is my frustration. My anger. So what's he reflecting from you? Yeah, right. right. So what, you're the mirror. Right. What is he reflecting? Yeah, yeah. That so. one convicts me a lot because mm-hmm. my oldest son struggles. Like when we first started talking about having children, Nicole and I, I was scared to death of having kids because I knew what I was like growing up, and I was scared <laughs> that I was going to have a boy and he was going to turn out to be just like me. And so, I mean, that's something that, uh, yeah, I mean, I I struggle with now is like trying to because I've, I've been there. I feel like Ryan is a mirror of me as a kid, and it's like all the same things that he's struggling with. I've been there, and so trying to keep working on it myself, you know, and, yeah. but also you know help him, and that yeah, that's a that's a daily thing. So, well, so kind of going down that same that same vein a little bit, just real quick. How many times do you uh, maybe get a little frustrated that you know what they're going to do before they do it because they're exactly like you? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> My, mine was actually when Ryan was in public yeah. school dealing with that with him because I, I was like, listen, buddy, you, you know, if you keep responding to situations like this, this is how the people in your classroom are going to treat you. Uh-huh. Like, this is what is ahead of you. And, like, man, wanting so badly for him to not have to struggle with that, you know, not deal with kids picking on him and, and being able to have friends and stuff. And, right. Uh, I don't know. I'm really thankful, though, that. Yeah, I mean, him and Gabe are, are two peas in a pod, man. So I'm it's, I'm really thankful odd. that uh, <laughs> we were joking because we've been. I, I was out at his house all day today, and they're they're playing. It's been a chore, I'm telling you. Yeah, and they're upstairs <laughs> making noises, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Ryan, you got to stop that. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure that's Gabe. And I'm like, no, that's Ryan. So yeah. we call up there and he's like, Gabe, is that you? Yeah. Well, you need to stop. Like he's like, he's like I could have sw- I would have laid my paycheck. I, that was my son. Yeah. Like, it's it is eerie how si- like they sound the same, uh-huh. and they make the same sounds and the random eagle screech or whatever. And it's like, okay, I don't I don't know if that's my son. Like it's <laughs> now there's two of them. It's like it's it's the pterodactyl in our house. That's what it is. It's like uh. well, something I've been trying to do with with my boys uh, is reminding him. Like when he was born, I mean, joy was just all over the place. Yeah, uh, happy, laughing, giggling, whatever. Uh, you know, watching videos and just would just be laughing. And and whenever he's experiencing frustration and anger, I'm like, buddy, don't. I, you know, I remember you having so much joy, man. You you're you're a joyful kid. So I'm like trying to talk life into him about because I don't want him to lose that. I don't want this anger. Or whatever this hereditary thing, I wanted to end with me. So, mm-hmm. uh, whatever was happening with my dad, and passed on to me at a degree, I wanted to stop. Just so that me. generational. Yeah, yeah, the generational stuff. I'm not saying it's a curse or anything, but right. whatever that's being passed down. Yeah, to the yeah. Club, yeah. So I'm trying to remind him that uh, you know he is a kid that's of joy. Now, is this something new that you've been thinking about, or is this since your dad's passing? 
since you hated dad ever have an anger issue and you're just kind of noticing it because you've been thinking about your dad and things like that uh yeah the i would ask my mom uh every once in a while stuff about my dad but since his passing now i can just dig into it Mm -hmm. from her perspective and and it's good for me to reflect on who my dad was and it's good for her to talk about her husband yeah and so i yeah i ask a lot more often now uh and maybe that's uh part of grieving is just finding out a little bit more about who dad was and what he did and um you know was this was dad always this way or when do you remember you know dad being x y and z or whatever and so that would be just like one of my phone calls i'll just call my mom and say hey question for you and (laughs) and then we just get into a half hour long discussion about stuff and uh, it, it always ends positive yeah but it it helps me reflect on things that i need to target that's probably in my bloodline that i need to address yeah that could be easily uh passed on to me whether I knew it, it came from my dad, or I think it just came out of a situation, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, it's got me thinking differently of how I pass that on to him, and how I respond in the situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and any of you guys feel free to jump on this one. Have you noticed since since the passings? Um, maybe maybe I just asked this, and if I did, I'm sorry to repeat myself. You've Thank you. Andy's not here to distract, so I guess me and Nick's taken up for that. Um, you yes. have changed your approach not only to them or, or things you're like, I need to be way more mindful of this now, but also your relationship with the Lord. Couldn't help himself. Couldn't. Can't. So change something you've changed with your kids, family, or your relationship with the Lord. Or you've kind of like, hey, I need to spend more time on this. Because we know now, we all know we're not going to live forever. Uh-huh. If the, the one thing we're all going to do is we're, go, we're all going to die at some point. So with that time, and you guys probably have more of a, a mortal understanding of time's limited. I don't have, all, I don't have a, lot of, a lot left. Uh, or what I do have, I want to be more focused. I want to be more disciplined, anything, especially with your family or the Lord. Well, as Jared was reflecting on his dad... And, and talking about uh, just some of the things you were working through there. Uh, and I think I touched on this last podcast is where my mind, as soon as all this was happening with my father-in-law, well, it started out with my sister's father-in-law, mm-hmm. then my father-in-law, and then uh, Leah's brother, uh, or Leah's brother's father-in-law, mm-hmm. and then my dad. Uh, when all this stuff was happening, my brain was instantly racing to, okay, what lesson am I learning out of this? So I don't know if I had a whole lot of time to just uh, grieve or whatever, but my mind has been consumed by what am I learning from this? Mm-hmm. What? Why is this happening? God, why is this happening? And what am I supposed to learn from it to move forward? And it, it's it's still something that it consumes my thoughts. Now I'm not trying to ask, you know, how is this going to play out? I guess specifically, but what I'm thinking is, why did this happen? What's the purpose? I want to find the purpose. Why? Because once I find the purpose, I feel like I can. It's something tangible that I can work with and move forward. 
Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's the purpose of going to the weight room five days a week? What's the purpose of practice before game? It's so that whenever that game day shows up, you're stronger. You you've got a game plan. You you know how you're going to play the game. Mm-hmm. So I think this is helping me reflect on the and I'm really thinking about like this whole numbers thing where 40, 40 means generation, right? Right. So I'm 44. So now I'm I'm on the backside of this second generation that I'm going to live. I hope I live till 85, 90 is is my hope, but I don't know if I will. But I'm thinking, okay, what have I learned in my first 40 years? that I've crafted and I've worked with now make a humongous impact on the back half. And how does the death of my dad play into it? Mm-hmm. You know, Eric, like you and I kind of talked a little bit about how, and actually Matt, you and I've talked about it too, on how the fact that um, you, you, you guys don't. Yeah, you talk to us about nope, it. Nope. You, you guys aren't in the club yet. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but like how, how it's interesting that, the three of us and there's there's a few other folks that we're, that we're really we're all really close to all lost our dads within a fairly similar time frame they were their fairly similar age we're all in our similar ages uh-huh and what kind of what what's the purpose why why has god brought us all together and to go almost through similar yet somewhat different experiences, but similar in the fact that we're in our late thirties into our forties and we lost our, 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 our earthly fathers when they were in their sixties. And what, what's the purpose behind it? Like how are we all together? And and it's just unique that the fact that, we all kind of serve in similar areas at the church. Well, and for me, I just moved here not yeah. that long ago, so I wouldn't have had the type of network and support system going through this. You know, I'm sure you know we were part of a good church body before, um, but just having the guys that we've had to talk to recently and um, uh, I guess if I can share a little bit about dad's story um the and the things that i was struggling with with this because my my story is probably from a different perspective as far as you know not fully having the comfort of knowing that your dad was saved you know um and and then with the dementia on top of that i i was struggling a lot with regret over lost time and kind of like what you were talking about with you know the phone calls i'm terrible about picking up the call and just checking in on people or just chatting to chat like i you know if i pick up the phone to call it's for a reason you know or or something and then it's i the just point of the phone see yeah. you when i see you and we we hang out and talk then and then you know living far away i mean i was in the navy for 10 years and then you know we lived in virginia for a while after that after getting out and so when we come up home we only come up home like you know twice a year and then we've got two sides of her family. We've got my family. My mom and dad divorced shortly after I graduated high school. So then it's just trying to get around to see everybody in a short period of time. Didn't happen that often. And then, you know, when he started struggling with the dementia, I just felt like, man, I did not do a good job uh, evangelizing my own family, you know, and talking about it. And it. Because I didn't grow up in a family like that. Like, I still struggle with it feeling weird, 
you know, talking or praying at, at family gatherings or trying to have that conversation because there's members of the family that, you know, be like, oh, if you won't pray, do that on your own time and it's, and things like that. And it's 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 tough sometimes to have that courage, you know. And I, yeah. Um, so when I would go and, and visit Dad when I, in a nursing home and stuff, I'd, okay, you know, I, I need to start getting this right. And I would try to go there and read some scripture with him and, and try to pray with him. Um but you're not, it's a one-way conversation. You're not able to get anything out. So I don't know what he's understanding. I don't know how his mind's working. I don't know if he's hearing me, if he's understanding anything. But um, I, the last, so a couple of months ago, we went and visited him. Like I said, my dad was a big race fan. So me and my sister would buy him some DVDs, race DVDs, old NASCAR stuff and everything. And we'd take it there and we'd sit down and watch. And dad wasn't very responsive but man, the second we would put on a race, and he would see that come on, like he would get glued to that TV, and he would not take his eyes off of it. And you could tell he was, yeah. he was intently watching that race, like he knew, knew he was watching. So we we sat there and we watched uh, Dale Earnhardt's '98 Daytona win with him, and we were, we got done, and it's like time for me and my sister to go. And so I said, you know, all right, Dad, well, I'd I'd like to pray with you, and I knew he was getting towards the end because he was struggling with he was not eating he started not eating and so one of the things that i struggled with is you know we had to make decisions about does he get on a feeding tube or not and it's like well if he gets on a feeding tube he'll probably live longer but then there's complications with that because he has dementia he could rip it out get infections a lot of health concerns yeah. with that and it's like what are you prolonging what kind of quality of life and everything but not knowing his salvation it's like well if i don't give him the feeding tube mm -hmm. am i pushing him quicker to an eternity you know oh well yeah without you know without jesus and not seeing him and so that was that was really tough uh, but talking about having that support group like i was able one night with the worship team there's some awesome people on our worship team and some people who have gone through it recently uh and just being able to share that with them and the way they prayed for me that night. And it was actually the night before I was going up to visit him. And so I had shared that concern and I knew I was going up the next day. And so there was a lot of people just giving me really encouraging words and advice that night. And so when I went up the next next day, I knew I'd, I needed to pray with him. I needed to try to lead him through a sinner's prayer or something and just let God do the work. Yeah. And so we went up with him. We watched that. We watched that movie or the the race, and at the end of the race, um, I said, "All right, Dad, well, Anna and I are going to get ready and go." I said, "I'm I'm going to go ahead and pray with you." So, the whole time we were there, he had his he was laying in his bed because he was bed bedridden at this point, but he had his arms folded over him and was just sitting there. And Anna had given him like a stress ball because he kind of liked having those in his hand, uh, but he hadn't really moved the whole time. And so, we leaned up and I folded my hands, I closed my eyes, and I started praying with him, and I just probably stumbled through it i mean if someone was outside they probably would have thought nothing special but you know it wasn't anything special and i just kind of went through basic you know yeah. god i'm so thankful for my dad and the time that we've had together and i just ask you to reach him inside help him to understand what i'm saying right now and that 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 you are lord you know and and that you would just help him to understand help him to turn over his life to you and come to accept you and so i go through this and i get done and say man and i look up and my dad had uncrossed his hands, put down the ball, and had his hands folded and was looking, like, straight at me. 
like just straight through me and that was the last time I saw him alive and we, we ended up leaving and uh, I didn't say anything at the time because I'm not one to try to make a lot out of things you know yeah. Yeah. but we left the nursing home and I got in the car and I was, me and my sister and I was like did you notice that he had his hand folded and was praying and so like that gave me comfort because the night before I went to visit you know after sharing with the worship team and everything like I, I just prayed to God and I was like please give me a sign something to show me that he that that he understands that there's something there mm-hmm. you know and then that happened and so you know I just that was a big lesson for me and just having courage and faith and believing that God can can reach through that and I I spoke at his funeral believing that God was was with Jesus so that was uh that was really awesome but yeah, I mean just having that having that network of people to, to talk to everything it was it was so instrumental at that time and the people that came for for the funeral I mean it was all the way up in Wheeling I mean people I mean you came up and visited me on the on the night before the visitation and stuff I mean it's just in the the outpouring of support even from those that that couldn't make it up there that just it's been it's been really awesome I mean, you've only been really part of part of the team for what about two years back there? Yeah, but like, it feels like you've always been there. And uh, I know all like Josh and Nick and I when we when we sit down sometimes for um, just when we get together for a little bit, it's always yeah, Eric's just like part of the team, and like he he's he's one of. I don't want to sound like a click, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it feels like you've always just been a part of it. I do not say that. I know. <laughs> yeah, I you do. <laughs> he can join we're, in the, we're, the banter. We're talking about easy. the people that bring us together, or the, the, the group that God is assembling, this generation of the church. We Again, I'm going to beat a dead horse here a little bit. Talked about my Ranger team is this, the bench. We're the starting lineup, right? We have to be that mirror to what we want them to be. Um. I mean, we, we still have our elders and thank God for the elders that can still set that example and lead the way and guide us because we're going to be that one day. Um, the Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, um, I was I think it was Lindsay. I was texting back and forth and she was just her and Matt or Matt Fancher. They're the Barnabases. They just lift up everybody. And, you know, it, it's wonderful. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, I'm just so thankful for the parents and, and the adults that are in my in, in the church and God's brought together. We talked, and I won't go into the details of the conversation because uh, it meant a lot to me and it's private, was we talked about our past and growing up. And I'm like, dude, this it's eerie how similar it was. And because we look so Apparently alike, we look know, similar. For the first two months <laughs> of attending Trinity, I had people coming up to me starting conversations thinking I was Josh Blankenship. Well, well yeah, I mean, because <laughs> he, was, he wasn't at church because of a work situation. And oh, up in the sound room. Yeah, yeah so like, I don't know how many times, like, the first time I saw you back in the sound booth, I was like, hey, Josh, you finally, oh, you're not Josh. <laughs> uh, that makes me feel loved. Uh, but Yeah, so I don't know if people at Trinity are really nice to newcomers, or if they just thought I was Josh when I first started coming in. Oh, it had to be newcomers. Not, yeah, okay. <laughs> if you think about it, knowing how similar our backgrounds were, and our kids are all around the same age, um, this is the the team for such a time as this 
that no matter what the world's going to go through, this is the team that God or the the church that God's assembled together, at least in our lives. And, and I can I know with 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 Andy and Ryan, um, who's not with us, we may have to fire some people for lack of attendance. I'm kidding. I just wanted to throw that out there and jab at them. Um, and even some of the other guys who they don't watch. Uh, yeah, they don't watch. They're not viewers. Um, at the church and the teaching and some of the people that are volunteering. I mean, this is an incredible team we have. At least our local church, and the fact that we stepped out to do this in faith and it the the people although very limited at the moment that, it, that it's reaching and some of the conversations you have with outside of the church to where we're having a manly conversation about the Lord and how we lean on the Lord and the people that the Lord has surrounded us with or and it's it's a the gospel will not his word will not return void mm-hmm. as long as we're getting it out there and we're talking about it because I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak for you guys, but without faith, I don't know how you get through something like this. I mean, I, 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 I can't, I can barely process loss with Jesus. How do you, how you take him out of the equation? I mean, what do you got? I mean, that's a depressing world to live in. My heart goes out to folks who have lost without knowing Jesus. And there, I mean, there, there, there's a difference with, uh, with some of the, the funerals that I've been to. Holy cow, yes. I was going to say the same. I, I'm yeah. not trying no, to interrupt you. Just no, no, totally. go ahead. Okay, and, okay, go ahead. Interrupt. No, no I <laughs> was just actively agreeing with you. Yeah, it, it's it, it, it's crazy. I mean, most people outside looking in, seeing Nick and I kind of laughing and then joking at my dad's funeral would say that that's disrespectful. But we, in our core knew exactly that's not dad that's that's his body mm-hmm. and at some point in the future that body will be res- resurrected it will be new it won't have a metal rod in it anymore and we'll be together with heavenly bodies but for this time that's left in this age that body isn't my dad right and the 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 funeral the funeral's really for us it's not for them and uh it, it's for us to remember and to celebrate life and and if 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 your family or or of of faith then you know that 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 is a celebration of life mm-hmm. because you know where they're where they're spending eternity at i think the first the first really awesome example that i had of that i hope she doesn't mind me saying her name but that Lindsay's dad's funeral, man, getting to, I mean, that was a, that was a, that was the first time of seeing like, we're going to go there and we're going to worship because we know where he's at. And it was just so different than every other funeral because the only other funerals I'd been to were for other family members growing up and stuff. And it, you know, it's kind of that bleak funeral home, mm-hmm. you know, type. And I mean, this was a, this was a worship set, man. They were there praising and, and celebrating. And it's like, it's, it's such a it's such a difference between that and i would say that like doing my dad's funeral and arranging that even if you can't have that i did not want to waste that opportunity of a funeral because i i've been to so many i've had a couple i had a cousin that that od'd and, and died recently the last couple of years and i mean every it's so depressing going in there and you get a a minister or a preacher or somebody that doesn't know him yeah. Doesn't have anything to share with them. Uh, everyone's coming in there, and everyone walks. Mostly, everyone probably walks in there, 
wanting to be a Christian, believing they're in a better place, and it's sadly not true. You know, and it's like that moment, everyone's contemplating their mortality and thinking about that time. So, like, one thing with my dad's funeral was even with that uncertainty, and I was not going to waste that opportunity to give a gospel message. So when we were trying to, you know, find a, a pastor to come up and speak, it was like I talked to him. It was like I want, I want a gospel, I want a preacher who's going to come up here and not be afraid to deliver a gospel message. I want a, a, a time, you know, mm-hmm. a salvation message. I got up and spoke at my dad's funeral, which was uh, s- something that I wasn't sure I wanted to do because there's there's a lot of a lot of complexities in the in the relationships of people that were going to be there that day and everything. But w- the day my dad died and Pastor Wade found out, he called me as I was on my way up to West Virginia. Um, and it, I mean, he talked f- to me for a while, and uh, I was sharing with him about struggling with guilt with not sharing more and sooner. You know, we're doing a better job in that way. And one of the things that he kind of told me was. Uh, you know, th- those missed opportunities can be building blocks for the next opportunity. Yeah. You know, like just because you missed this one, let that be what you think about the next time that opportunity comes up so you don't miss it. You're still in the batter's it. box. There's a pitch come and take the swing. Yeah. So, so one of the greatest things, and I know we're, you know, we're, we're about out of time, um, but one of the greatest things is to see um, people give their heart to the Lord at a funeral. Um, so like, I know my dad's and you talk about worship, Lindsay and Mike had to, uh, reel me back in on the worship songs that we were singing at at my dad's funeral because like, uh, it was a party. Right. And, uh, um, (laughs) I could only imagine what, not that song, but I could imagine what you would want. (laughs) So like, so like they were reeling me back in on a couple stuff and they're like, yeah, why don't we do this one? It's okay. How about you guys are the worship leaders. You, you guys come up with a set list and I'll, I'll go with whatever. But I think during the course of the sermon, I don't know how many people, seven, eight, nine people that were there. And it's the one that, one that was a big funeral service. I mean, there may have only been 75 people there made the commitment then to to serve the Lord. And if there's any testimony, any legacy that any of us should ever want is that our lives lead people to God, yeah. whether in, in this life or afterwards. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. I want to give you the last word. You've been actively listening well. I love watching you listen to people say, "Man, he's in, he is enjoying this." Um, we store up our treasures in heaven. People are treasures, and you're thinking about purpose. Uh, and it, I don't want to speak for anybody, but it could be as simple as a reigniting of the spirit or that fire that's in you to go preach the gospel or the, the great commission. Right? Go talk about Jesus, because there is a certain amount of time we have left, and. We need to be about the king's work. So you get to end this with your last thought. <laughs> no last, pressure. The last thought. It's uh, the world. This thing about purpose is 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 fuel for me, and just kind of uh, seeing things through uh, a different narrative. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I mean that that word's been the buzzword narrative. You know what's the narrative with COVID and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, find your purpose. I'm going to touch his shoulder. He's laying hands on the computer right, before right, he shuts right. down. All right, we're gonna we're gonna sign off here. Thanks for the for such a great conversation <laughs> and being vulnerable. <laughs> he's laying hands so, on uh, Very thankful today for our special guest for these last two uh, 
special series about um, losing fathers in, in this uh, middle-aged part of life, um, what we consider to be um, shouldn't be losing fathers at that point at, at any of our ages, but you guys have, and we appreciate you coming on talking about it because we know there's a lot of our listeners that are going through the same thing right now. Um, if you are a listener and would like to get in touch with these guys, you can shoot us an email to mkdudetalk at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on our website, mkdudetalk.com. There you can uh, contact us directly from the website. You can learn about us, see our latest podcasts, some of our funnier videos. Um, again, we appreciate you guys coming out. Be sure and tune in next week as we uh, will have our normal roundtable guys uh, back here at the game. Uh, so for the yes man, Jared. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, McJ, Matt. Uh, name. <laughs> I don't need a nickname. I should have come up with one. We'll, we'll call him three first names. Phyllis from the office. Oh, three names. Three, three names. names. Three <laughs> names, Eric. And, of course, our host, Josh. I'm Nick for Mountaineer Kingdom Dude Talk. Real men, manly talk. And I didn't prep this to be ready, so... He's worried about running out of time. Yeah, right. And then he's taking like thirty seconds. Well, no, we're we're going on a minute now, minute and a half, trying to find the track. Jokes earlier, we'd be perfect on time. I know, right? Sorry. Oh my, help us! You got to turn it up. Thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. Oh, we're still alive, so you can take us later. Vegas now. <laughs> Andy's not here. Somebody's got to do it. Every time. Every he time. moves the chair, though. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just keep.